0: Oh, church, come stand in the light and proclaim Christ is risen. He is risen Our Savior defeated death. He is risen. He is risen Amen. If you've ever stared death in the face and you sing those promises, you can't help but just long for that day to come. Oh, how I do. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 5. I really like when others get to read scripture, but it also takes away my opportunity to read. I love reading scripture in front of you all, so I'm taking it today. Revelation, we are looking at the entire chapter of Revelation chapter 5. Beautiful, beautiful imagery. That I want to soak into your minds. Last week I preached um, how when we gather, we are replaying the drama of redemption. And this is true too. When we gather as a church, we are putting on, we are bringing this, this strange, mysterious vision of the heavenly throne room right here on earth and showing the world this king reigns. Because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. I was wondering, are we going to be stuck with this busted up creation forever? And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw A lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty four elders fell down before the lamb. Each holding a harp and gold and bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, you flash this vision before our eyes. And now we bow our heads along with the 24 elders. We put our faces down to the ground and we humble ourselves before your throne and say, save us, rescue us, give us that spirit that we would endure until we no longer have to play this scene, but we get to live it for all eternity. God, show us. Show us that Christ is on His throne. Show us that He is victorious. And show us that in His name, in the name of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, we too will be victorious. Amen. A friend of mine recently applied for a a rather minor job a small job at a christian college and he was he was just hoping to start with this opportunity and maybe turn it into something a little bit better the job itself wasn't much of a resume builder but if he could do it faithfully it could turn into something wonderful now despite the apparent insignificance of the job he was still a little nervous in the interview He said afterwards that he wondered if he answered the questions well, and he wasn't quite sure if he fit the profile of this institution, but he laid it in God's hands and waited for his answer. And it wasn't long, shortly after that, finally, they called and offered him the job. They said they'd be delighted to have him, and further instruction would come on how to get started with his work. Oh, he's just so excited, thankful for this little seed of an opportunity, eager to get busy. And then when the details of the job showed up, he noticed something really interesting in his title under his name. Instead of this part-time coordinator position, my friend had been given the title assistant professor. It's like being promoted from nighttime janitor to building superintendent before you ever do anything. His expectations were not only met, but far exceeded. What what an opportunity to praise God. If you were here on Friday night for our Good Friday service, you remember us talking about unmet expectations. If you've ever gotten your hopes up, oftentimes they come crashing down. And now for fear of being disappointed again, or hurt, or shamed, we just tiptoe into opportunities we keep our distance so we don't get hurt we just try not to let our expectations get up because we don't want to be greatly let down and when jesus came the disciples had really lofty expectations for him only to see them come crashing down when he died They assumed when they read their Bibles that he was going to come to Jerusalem, rally the troops, march on in, declare war on Rome, win a decisive battle, and then walk, strut more likely, with his disciples by his side right up to his throne and rule over Israel. And then on Palm Sunday, with the crowds following him and cheering him on, he marches right into Jerusalem and Friday he's dead dead not only did they not get the job they wanted but they got kicked in the teeth on the way out of the interview the two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus a couple days later commiserating with some stranger they can't even recognize oh it just happened we've wasted our lives don't you think so New friend? Little did they realize that their friend was their risen king! Jesus is alive! He is risen! Oh, thanks. They, they suddenly realized that their king is alive, death couldn't hold him back, and he was about to give them a promotion that they, that was beyond their wildest dreams. Jesus explained how this was all written throughout the whole Bible. Every book explained all of these details of his life, death, and resurrection. But they missed the death and resurrection part. They didn't realize Jesus had to die to take the wrath of God for their sins. He had to rise from the dead so he could pour out their spirit. So they could walk faithfully forever in his new creation kingdom. But now they're thinking all this new information reeling in their brains Oh, imagine the possibilities. Our leader can't die. And he just gave us his spirit. A few days, a few weeks later, he gave us his spirit that raised him from the dead. So we can't die either. Even if we die, he'll just raise us. Jesus is assembling an army that can never be defeated but still an army that would fight unlike any in history. And now the book of Revelation is giving us insight into this battle and confidence in the victory. It's not just saying, giving you some certainty, hey, did you know I read the end of the book? Jesus wins. That's a fun, exciting thing to say. But he is also telling us That if you give us, give him all of your life, his victory, the lamb's victory guarantees yours. You think that you're just signing up for forgiveness of sins, which is a great deal. You got the job. But he's given you more than that. He promises you eternal glory with him as a kingdom of priests. Now that's a promotion. And this vision in Revelation 5 doesn't just come out of nowhere. It's picking up imagery from Daniel's vision in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel, in the midst of exile, wondering if Israel is just going to fall apart, has this vision of God's throne room. And he sees the ancient of days sitting on his throne full of glory. And one like a son of man, he says. He looks like a man, but he's also full of glory. He can't figure it out. He had just defeated this great beast that was oppressing the whole world. He slayed that beast and he's riding on a cloud up to the throne room of God. And he goes up to God and God hands over to this man all authority on earth. Incredible scene. And now John in Revelation is telling us that what Daniel saw is fulfilled by Jesus. He saw Jesus doing all these things. He saw Jesus destroying, slaying that ancient serpent that brought the world into a curse. And then he was raised from the dead. He saw Jesus ascending into heaven on the cloud. And Revelation 5 picks up this scene. After Acts chapter 1, where Jesus goes up, then we don't know what happens. He sends a spirit and we see the church living in the spirit. But what's Jesus doing in heaven right here? Revelation five picks up the scene from acts one. We see God, the father hand a scroll to his son. Symbolizing that this guy has all authority over heaven and on earth. He can unroll the scroll and make every decree Determining what happens on earth. He has the right to judge every creature on earth. And he has the authority to command these heavenly armies. He is the king that the Old Testament longed for. And this is his inauguration ceremony. Verse 5 reminds us of all those promises. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the root of David. Everything Israel expected, but even more. They thought death would be the end. They didn't expect death to be part of the story, but death was the part of the victory. Because death is part of this world. If our Savior is going to conquer this world and remake this world, He needs to experience it all and go through it all and come out victorious on the other side. It is part of His victory and it will also be part of our victory. We do. Everything we can to try to avoid death, to try to delay it as long as possible, to shelter the people we care about from death. But it's inevitable. It'll catch up to us sooner or later. But Jesus has conquered even that. And now John sees him exalted above all things, proclaiming him mightier than death. Death has no power over Jesus or anyone who puts their trust in him. Death may be part of this world, but it's not part of this one to come that we have a vision of. And he looks in verse 6 and he sees not just the lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David, but he sees a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes. It's a little weird Thing to imagine as though he had been slain, but he's standing. What is, what does that mean? And he's got horns and eyes. You're not supposed to picture that. All of these things are supposed to evoke emotion telling you that he died as a ransom for your sin, but he stands in victory over it. And the seven horns are represent his perfect power over all things, his mighty authority, his seven eyes, his perfect vision into all the earth, representing the spirit that goes throughout all the earth. He sees every sin you've ever committed and every sin ever committed against you and his power is at work to conquer it all. Death was just a tool His servant to accomplish his purposes. To bury sin and death forever in the tomb. To bury it under the Red Sea. The crashing waters. Putting it away with the old creation. So that all who trust in him. Can put away death. When they put this old creation behind. And rise with him. You see these promises right here in Revelation 5. Where saints are with the risen king, this is our home. This is what we're aiming for. In verse seven it says there's four living creatures and 24 elders who fell down before the lamb. Most scholars agree that these are representatives, re- representatives, symbolic representatives of all the angels who remained faithful and all redeemed humanity from all ages. All of the angels, all of the saints falling down on their face, pledging allegiance to King Jesus. Make me your servant. Do what you want with me. Other scenes in the book portray Thousands and thousands, myriads, myriads, innumerable numbers of saints surrounding the throne, singing his praises, eager to participate. Please, Jesus, remake the world. We're ready for our bodies. We're ready to get to work. Now keep in mind that this scene is right after Jesus left earth and ascended into heaven. This isn't something that's going to happen far in the future. We're supposed to read this and realize that Jesus is king over all the earth right now, today. We're supposed to read this. And see that vast armies of angels are lined up, ready to go to battle at his command. As soon as he unrolls that scroll and gives the decree, go, go, help him, rescue her. And all the saints waiting to receive their new bodies and assume their roles in their, as kingdom, a kingdom of priests in the new creation. People from every tribe, language, people, and nation crying out to see it happen as soon as possible. Every day of our lives, every day you go to teach, every day your kids drive you crazy at home, every day you go to the hospital. Jesus is sending His Spirit throughout the earth to rescue the last of His people who are making their way through the Red Sea before the waves come crashing down to destroy the kingdoms of this earth. Christ is dispatching His angels into every corner of the earth to pick up and carry His weak and weary saints to safety. Most people, when they read the book of Revelation, they see all this crazy imagery and it's just so foreign that they they kind of distance themselves from it, push it off, or just think it's really far into the future. And there's some battle with a charismatic antichrist world leader. What is that? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I'm just going to go read John. Same guy wrote this one. But a lot of this book, much of this book is meant to show us what God is doing right now to preserve, to protect, to prepare you, his saints for the kingdom to come. It's meant to give you encouragement today to press on toward that goal, toward the joyful life ahead of us that this world can't see. This world strives to do everything it can to to enjoy that now, but will never have. It's guaranteed us in Christ. And these cosmic battles are now happening in your life as you fight to overcome sin and temptation as you strive to forgive others or humble yourselves to be forgiven, as you build the courage to tell the gospel to your coworker or your friend, as you commit to displaying this vision of christ 's rule over the earth by gathering week after week with his people, remember Paul said, the battle is not with flesh and blood it 's not a physical battle like The disciples thought it would be. But it is a very real spiritual battle. Don't confuse spiritual with not real because it could still very well cost you your life. This world does not like to be told that its passions and pursuits are sinful and prideful and idolatrous. People don't like to submit to commands of King Jesus proclaimed by his royal priesthood. Satan doesn't like that the church keeps gathering to replay this scene from Revelation. He sees us worshiping together and it reminds him that Christ is on the throne. And so he'll do whatever he can. He'll scheme any way possible. To appeal to our fleshly senses. To keep us from doing all of these things. Throw everything at us. So that he can shame us. Threaten us with punishment. Threaten us with broken relationships, pestilence, plagues, severe weather, tragic events. Anything to take our eyes off the risen, victorious, slain, but conquering Lamb. We must keep looking to Him. Faithfully going to work. Making Jesus known in your work. Raising children. Sharing the gospel. Opening our homes to our neighbors. Gathering to worship. Every Sunday when we gather on the first day of the week, we should think evening and morning, the first day. When we gather, we're proclaiming the old creation is dead and we are the beginning of a new creation. And then we go out into the world to be fruitful and multiply and make more worshipers of Jesus. And we do this as the old creation crumbles away in the face Of illness, of death, to proclaim death has no hold on me. Death is not the end in this world, but it's the beginning of our victory. All who have died in Christ, this vision tells us are alive. My son is alive. More alive than I will ever be in this old creation. He is alive because Christ is alive. He is risen. We're going to get this. Do you guys think that maybe I'm making up my excitement when I preach? Do you think that these affections are just practiced? Our king is alive. He is risen. risen Amen. Today we're celebrating the resurrection of King Jesus. (sighs) That means so much more than the guy who died on the cross to pay for my sins came out of the grave and what a cool trick. It's not just a trick. That's a big deal. We got the job, but we got more than that job. The resurrection means that all of those Old Testament promises that the disciples expected are true on a universal scale. All authority in heaven and on earth is His and all who have died in Him, who trust in Him by His resurrection and ascension get an eternal promotion to a heavenly job. So I just want to finish today with a few ways that this text summarizes our job description. Five ways that the Lamb slain standing calls us to be faithful in this life. It's not exhaustive, but just a few things to consider this Easter. First, the lamb slain standing gives us new eyes to see in this world. As I said, there's a spiritual battle occurring behind everything we experience. Satan is constantly trying to use people, systems, organizations, secular leadership to derail the mission of the church. Your home, your job, your friendships, your leisure activities aren't just some casual aspects of ordinary life. But they are spiritual battlegrounds where Satan tries to get you lost in your work, caught up in a news cycle, immersed in your dreams, fearful of difficult circumstances and forget that he has defeated death. Remember that everything you do is for the purpose of proclaiming that Christ is on his throne, standing victorious over death. How does your life reveal that you have eyes to see King Jesus reigning over death and death has no power over you? Second, the slain slain lamb standing also inspires confident advance of the gospel, not retreating self-preservation. If everything is a battleground for Satan, where he's always on the attack, then there's really nowhere you can hide from sin, from difficulty, from danger. Satan can find you in your homeschooling family. He can find you at your Christian school. He can find you in your quarantine in your basement. He can find us huddled together here in our holy huddle. Our ordinary lives are the front lines of following Jesus. But we can be confident we will be victorious. If I, We always think, if I do this Christian thing, if I have someone over to my home, if I share the gospel with my neighbor... If I go to church, if I stand up to sin, I might lose my job. I might get sick. I might hurt somebody I care about. I might lose my family or my friends. I might be taken advantage of. That's true. All those things might happen. But you can be confident that you will find yourself one day standing with him in glory. What looks like loss can turn out to be even greater gain. What do you need to let go of to attain that resurrection? Third, another thing that Jesus on his throne inspires us is with joy in the midst of sorrow. This battlefield is painful. It's gruesome. It's exhausting. And the more you give yourself to it, the more it hurts. Trying to maintain unity as a church is frustrating sometimes because we find each other fighting ourselves instead of unified fighting the enemy. Sometimes you lose people you love, friends, partners, children. Don't lose heart. This heavenly vision of the saints worshiping our Lamb shows us That there is a greater life ahead. In this world, this fight is worth that eternal joy. And the only way to attain that joy is to persevere in faithfulness. How easily are you discouraged and distracted by lesser joys? Fourth, this vision of Christ also tells us that all the angels in heaven... And all the saints who've gone before us are a mighty army around his throne, at his command, awaiting orders to fulfill every last one of his promises. This gets me so excited. This spiritual army fights for your faithfulness. To help you overcome fear and temptation, to make you more bold, to make Jesus known in your life. Would you be fearful of your circumstances if you knew Jesus dispatched 10,000 legions of angels to come fight by your side? Remember on the cross when he said, I could call legions of angels to come rescue me right now, but I'm not going to, because I'm going to die so that you can call upon them to overcome sin and temptation. To press on in fear. Would you give in to that temptation if you knew that all the saints in heaven are a great cloud of witnesses lining the way, cheering you on? You can do it, brother! Go! Fight! Don't fall into it! He's worth it! Christ has given you every spiritual blessing from His throne to keep you from falling and to pick you up when you do so finally, fifth, remember that the lamb's victory guarantees yours, whatever it is you feel trapped in beaten down by the slain lamb standing in victory assures you that you too will overcome. I've talked to so many people who feel like I just can't get ahead. Every time I feel like life's starting to come together, it falls apart. Every time I feel like I'm finally getting victory over my sin, I stumble again. But this vision tells us that those who have been oppressed in this world, though they hope for better circumstances now, are promised in Christ one day they will have the freedom and prosperity their hearts long for. If you're constantly fighting battles with temptation and sometimes you're overcome, don't stop fighting. This scene right here represents your victory. Your victory will be full and complete on the other side of history. And you fight by putting this image in your mind. How can you regularly put the image of Christ's victory before your eyes? Friends, the Christian life is a battlefield, and our victory is guaranteed in the next life. If you put your faith in Christ in this life, or to make this life go better, hoping to maybe advance your career, find some new friends, community, maybe you'll find a husband or a wife hanging out with all these great people. Maybe you're signing up for some great adventures on mission trips, whatever else you come to Christ to fix in your life, your expectations will never be met. You'll always doubt whether it's really worth it. You'll always wonder, is this it? Is this this ragtag group of people? This is Christ's great plan of salvation for the world. Your frustration will grow with other Christians as they fail over and over to fulfill your expectations. Faithfully following Jesus will only make your life more difficult. It will cause strain in your relationships. It will test your commitment with trials and temptations. God will refine you, shave off all the rough edges by using difficulty to take away the things that keep your eyes off of him. But if your expectations are this heavenly vision of the risen and reigning slain lamb of God. You'll never be disappointed. You'll get far more than you ever expected. All those desires satisfied and so much more. A promotion to a kingdom of priests who reign with him forever. Look. To the standing lamb who was slain. Jesus Christ reigning right now from his throne. And his victory will be yours. Let's pray. Father make this more real to us. As we share in communion. As we sing songs. And as we go out into the world to make disciples. May Christ standing on his throne. The lamb victorious over sin and death be our battle cry, be our inspiration. Help us put everything behind us and run, run as hard as we can toward that prize and bring as many with us as possible that we could join the myriads around his throne for all eternity singing, holy, holy, holy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive all glory and honor and blessing and worth and power and might. Because He is worthy. Amen.